Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, let's consider a few more points that we're making about our understanding and duties toward civil government, and then we will consider our Lord Jesus Christ from Psalm 22. Psalm 105 is a passage that describes God taking care of his people under various governments. Is one of the Bible examples. Number 50 on your little page, if you want to follow along that way, is real checks and balances. Real checks and balances. Foolishly, rebelliously, many ask, first of all, who will check the ruling authority of those in authority? That's the first thing they want to know. Who's going to check that authority? Why would that be your first question? Why wouldn't your first be, response be, thank you, Lord, for the infinite wisdom of, devi of devising five spheres of authority and not only the offices, but the persons that you've put in them and how you move those persons in those offices. Right. But instead, it's a wife saying, if I were to submit to my husband the way that you preach, I would end up being a doormat. Why is that where your mind runs? Why would you think that? Why does that cross your mind? Because we're rebels by nature. And we do that with civil government as well. Foolishly, rebelliously, we want to know, first of all, who's going to check the ruling authority? Remember with me of how we arrive in this world. Do you know how you arrive? Totally, absolutely helpless. And you did not get to pick your parents. Do you know how much God believes in authority? and how he's ordained authority, you arrived without a choice or involvement, approval of your set of parents, and you were totally helpless as to whether they fed you or not, abused you or not, pounded you or not, educated you or not. And that's how everyone meets authority. The first authority sphere that we meet are our parents. This is like an employee resenting Bible job obedience. For who will then protect me? I need a union. No, you don't need a union. You need union with God and trust in Him and obedience to His Word and the job, and He'll take care of you. Amen. You don't need a union. You need obedience. Rather than think about how... Let's think about how God brings helpless infants into the world and their parents. Now, American wisdom, protecting from dictators, is for government to check itself to a degree in our system of checks and balances in our government. However, it also includes the American way, rebellious at all levels, is for citizens to check magistrates. But that's not the real check and the real balance of authority. It's the Lord. And we want to please him, beg him, trust him, and watch him work. He has worked. He has taken care of us since the 60s, which was a, yes, it was a watershed time in my life because of my age of growing up and watching many institutions in this country being threatened, but that's 50 years ago. The Lord has taken care of us. God rewards or punishes kings, and the faithful will be protected. Look at Psalm 105, verse 14. Now nah, we got to back up. Let's, go to, let's get 13. Let's get 12. Because look at 12, it says few. This is the church of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When they were but a few men in number... Very small, yea, very few, and strangers in it. We were strangers in the land of Canaan in our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
when they went from one nation to another. We were international in our meanderings and wanderings as strangers and pilgrims in the land of Canaan from one kingdom to another people. Verse 14, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And we have Bible examples of that happening. Like when Sarah was taken into a harem in Egypt and Sarah was taken into a harem in the Philistines, the Lord protected Abraham and her from any wrongdoing there. So the real check and balance on government is government. God's government of the world. That is why in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 8, we are not supposed to marvel at the resting of justice or judgment in a province, but we should trust the Lord. God rewards or he punishes kings, presidents, or others, and it is valuable to them when they have any sense. Because in the book of Ezra, we can read about the kings of Persia wanting the prayers of the Israelites and realizing that in their prayers is going to be our blessing. God save the king is an honorary salute and an intelligent blessing, first used in the Bible for the coronation of Saul of Benjamin. God save the king. Because that's, that's the provision for the king, that's the blessing of the king, and that's the check on the king. If you are fearful of any authority's fear, then live godly and beg God for safety. That is the best route to being preserved. Number 51, check and balance problems. Check and balance problems. Our government has checks and balances of executive, legislative, and judicial branches. We've benefited by this form of government precluding dictators or evil kings. The title for this point is Check and Balance Problems. However, there's no magic in such a system, for God's government was always autocratic, meaning the authority was put in one man, one rule, whether it was Moses or Jesus. Jesus doesn't rule by committee. Jesus doesn't have checks and balances on him except his own perfect nature. Because he's infinitely perfect and righteous. Remember the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. He loves righteousness and he hates iniquity. Therefore God hath exalted thee above thy fellows and given him a measure of the spirit like no other. He's our king. We have an, And it's the most efficient government right. is to have one man in authority like the judges that extended from Moses to King Saul. For several hundred years, those judges would only take over and do anything, really, when there was a time for national action, like in a war. Otherwise, it was one man living in one place and minding his own business and waiting until there was an issue to deal with. And then he would take authority. That's efficient. Instead of having a standing army, instead of having palaces built all over the place and all the confectionaries, bakers, chariot builders, chariot painters, chariot washers, and everything else that governments had to have. And the Bible warns us about that. God warned very carefully, and we're not going to let this turn into some hundred sermon series. God warned so carefully about Israel wanting a king This king is going to want your sons in his standing army. This king is going to want your daughters as his confectionaries in his Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme shops. And the Bible warns us about all that. And it's going to be costly to have this sitting government instead of a judge that relied on me. 
And when it was a judge, God would stir up that judge, whether it was Jephthah or Gideon or Samson, stir them up that they would do great exploits with the people, and then they could retire on the job again because there was no more further use of them. The Bible's brilliant. Moses took care of the nation for 40 years. He he sacrificed his life. Jethro gave him advice of getting 70 helpers so that he wouldn't wear out before his time. But check and balance problems realize that our form of government isn't necessarily the best, that the Bible describes a different form. However, how many Moseses are there in the history of the world? Very few. So guess what? Our system works right well because it keeps us from a Judas Iscariot pretending he's a Moses. He's limited in his authority. But from Moses to Jesus, who reigns forever, there is no check in the rule over the church except in the internal righteousness of the judge. Your wife and then your children are only checks and balances to a small degree on your authority as a husband and your authority as a father. Male autocrats are good. Number 52. Male autocrats are good. All other things being equal, a strong male ruler is superior to any female ruler. If we read the whole Bible and let it teach us. If you read Isaiah 3 last night, you saw the nation of Israel being judged when God took away their mighty men and left them to the dictates of children and women. Male autocrats are good. That's single rulers. It's just a nicer term than dictator. God denies women leadership rules, roles other than extreme exceptions like Deborah in the Bible. There is no comparison between President-elect Trump and ex-Secretary Clinton from this standpoint. And we thank God that a statement was made to refocus the United States on a male autocratic type ruler that we have. Whether he rules wisely or not, we have to wait and see and beg the Lord of heaven to bless us and prosper us and see our humbleness and move him accordingly. Though we differ strongly, and I've said this before, though we differ strongly in many ways, President Putin knows how to govern in some respects. He's an authoritarian, autocratic male ruler, which helps establish authority right on down through the nation. Remember the problem that was going to develop when Vashti defied Ahasuerus? Do you remember the counselors saying, this is not just politics. This is not just 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Every shepherd out there, far from Shushan, far from Babylon, is going to have a problem with his wife if you do not deal with this the right way. Because the evil of not submitting to authority is an evil that comes from above. It comes down from the ruler if the ruler is not right. And so we are thankful for male autocrats, and they are good. Number 53, rulers affect the whole nation. Yes, some of these points lead into the next. As I just mentioned, Esther, rulers affect whole nation or nations. Ahasuerus punished Vashti for rebellion to assist every husband. And it's a wonderful passage of scripture that teaches us this lesson. Esther chapter 1, I want to read a few verses to you. Memukin. The advisor, one of the counselors of the king Ahasuerus, Memucan answered before the king and the princes, 
Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before king Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all the empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mamukin. That is great. That is telling us another lesson about government, and it's true in every home, and it's true in every church, that depending on how that sphere of authority is run is going to affect others under that sphere of authority. That is just beautiful terminology of what was going to happen if the news got out of Vashti rebelling against Ahasuerus and there being no response from the king. But if there was an appropriate response, it would humble the women and keep peace in all the homes, and that was carefully described there. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 10 that tells us that the evil of violating authority comes down from above. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 5, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth, all of which was wrong, all of which was observed by Solomon in this philosophical book and saying that's not the way it should be. Princes should be on horses, servants should be walking, the rich should be honored, and so forth in their proper way but it's an evil that comes down from above. So we can be thankful for a male autocrat, number 52, and number 53, that it affects and should affect the whole nation. Authority is illustrated from the top down and will affect and instruct the nation. Let's rejoice in that. Are there a number of Americans, when they see the face of our present president, they hear the words, you're fired. I like the connection. You don't like the connection? Never watched it. I just think that it existed out there. Is there something that existed out there like that? Where he would say, after they gave their best presentation, you're fired. That's what we need. That's authority. That's beautiful. You say, well, well what if it's me getting fired? Then work harder. That's the whole purpose of, the, of firings, is to work harder. Haman manipulated Ahasuerus to genocide, and it perplexed Shushan. Government policies affect the nation. And so we want to see that, and we want to pray for the Lord to preserve and keep us. This should affect how we vote, how we pray, and to make righteous judgment about the choices our government makes. Nations 
Nations seldom outshine leaders. For the top-down example affects the whole nation. Keep that in mind. On the other hand, most leaders today, being weaker, reflect the nation's trends. And we don't want that kind of a nation. It's the fruits of a ministry, or a nation in this case, that we judge. Number 54. Political heresies are legion. Political heresies are legion. Earlier today, in in the other sermon that was preached, I mentioned a Wikipedia document that some of you might want to look at that has the legion of heresies fighting against government. The descriptive word legion means many, a name of the devil that was in the Gadarene. One way to destroy or mitigate civil authority is to apply Romans 13 to pastors instead of civil government. Another way is to justify civil sedition to hold a constitution, a written law, over actual law and rulers that I've already mentioned. One way to be stupid is to vote for principle, like a write-in, instead of prudence. Mentioned, taught about that last Lord's Day. One way to be stupid is to vote for character, like you're picking a spouse instead of a president. Some teach that deducting church contributions is being a traitor to Jesus Christ. That's another heresy. We thank God for that privilege of being able to deduct contributions to the ministry of the church and to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and to be compensated by government for it, which means they subsidize the preaching of the gospel. We rejoice in that. We're not giving up any sovereignty. We're not showing a lack of faith. We're showing great faith. Others make politics a large part or entirety of their ministries, like Carl McIntyre, whose ministry has entirely disappeared in the United States of America, though it still exists in a few scattered congregations in other nations. I grew up listening to the 20th Century Reformation Hour of Carl McIntyre. Some of you may have heard of it. His whole ministry was fighting communists. But he was, he was a Presbyterian gospel minister. But his whole ministry was fighting government. Others love political intrigue, conspiracies, and other means to be fear mongers. But we're not going to promote fear. We're going to promote confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's going to protect us. Some are given to change, revolutionary ideas and thinking and talking. But the Bible warns us about those given to change, that we shouldn't meddle with them. Some are foolishly disrespectful like we were in the past, telling jokes about civil government or rulers. Truly, political heresies are legion. And we've been exposed to all of these and more. Some are tax evaders, refusing to pay taxes, usually for greed. If this were not so, they would sue the taxing authority to prove them wrong and not cash Social Security checks. Number 55, we use tax avoidance. We use tax avoidance. Tax avoidance is minimizing your taxes by law. And the government expects you to do that, and we do it in order to take advantage of the government's benefits. We understand taxation is an ordinary part of government. We pay all that's due. Congress and the IRS encourage citizens to use tax avoidance to implement policy. That that big, thick internal revenue code and what you get to deduct and what you don't get to deduct on your personal income tax return is all by design that if you will avoid taxes by using their, their legal given loopholes, or not truly a loophole, their provision by law to minimize your taxes, that means that you will 
bring about the policy in the nation that they're looking for. For instance, they want people to own a home. And so because owning a home in most cases requires having a home mortgage, they allow you to deduct the interest off that mortgage. That is avoiding taxes by listing your mortgage interest to reduce your taxable income. Now, if you had some phobia about taking advantage of the government, you could just pay without taking any deductions from income. But they allow us that, and they want us to do that because they're trying to encourage the nation and the house builders in America to have everybody have their own home. It's different than Russia. That way, you get to have your own room in a high-rise apartment complex where you can share the restroom with another couple rooms down the hallway. We have a nation that has wanted to encourage that, so they encourage it through the tax law. And so we use the tax law. The, the government wants to subsidize the preaching of the gospel and churches. So they allow you to deduct your charitable contributions to a gospel-preaching church. Even if that gospel-preaching church believes against abortion, prays against abortion, you can still deduct your contribution. And the government ends up subsidizing you. you know, I don't like to get into this because it's just too much math for some. It's, such, it's so simple. If we were to take a person that made 100000 and we take the marginal tax rate and make it 50%, if he gives $10,000 to his church, he gets to deduct that from income so that he only has $90,000 of income to pay taxes on. If he didn't give anything to his church, he would pay how much in taxes? 50,000, 50% of 100 grand. What if he gives 10,000 to his church, then he only pays taxes on 90,000, and truly enough, it wouldn't be a 50% tax rate, it would be a 45% tax rate because of the incremental approach of our income tax percentages. But let's say it's 50, he would only pay 45,000. Think, think through it with me. It's beautiful. The church gets 10,000. The church member only contributed a net 5,000 because they put 10,000 in the box, but they got 5,000 back on reduced taxes on their tax return. So the church gets 10 grand, the person gave five. Where does the other five come from that the church spends? Yes! It's our nursing fathers and nursing mothers. It is beautiful. And then, what's the average birth rate in America? It's not the churches. I said in America. It's about 1.4. It's about 1.4. In our church, it's 4.1. Do you, want to see, do you want to see that in a little layout? It's beautiful. We use tax avoidance. You should be saying to yourself right now, that does not make sense. They are considering hate crime legislation against real gospel preaching, but they still subsidize real gospel preaching? Yes. How does that come about? The Lord is in charge. The Lord is in charge. Does our government promote, defend, protect abortion, infanticide, child killing, but it subsidizes us who have a birth rate of 4.1? 
Does that make sense to you? Only gospel sense. Only the Lord showing us that he's still taking care of us in a wicked nation. Until very recently, and I'm not sure if all the benefits are gone or not, because I'm not involved in tax law or anything like that anymore. If you were married, you paid less in taxes than if you were two single people living together. Are you serious in America that doesn't care, that promotes casual sex on every single television program you look at? How does all that happen? There's a God in heaven taking care of us. And if we will live his way and continue to pray for our government, he's going to continue to take care of us. We don't know how he's going to, and I can't tell you how he will do it, but he will do it. We love all the Bible examples in both Testaments of God's people using rulers and benefiting from them.